Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Cooper Gagan. And I'm Josh Kirschenbaum. Each week we pick a topic and we talk about two movies that fit that topic. One highbrow and one lowbrow. This week the topic is bad cops. Bad cops, not good cops. That's going to be a different episode. Very bad. Yeah. Is there a good cops? Is there a, is, is there there a, a good movie? cops movie? I mean, uh, Bad Boys. I know. Ironic. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's funny. They say they're bad, but they're actually quite good. Yeah. But they're, def- they're good at being cops, but they might be bad boys. Right. They're not like good. The thing is, most, they're good most, people. Most movies are about dirty cops in some way, like dirty in that they don't follow the rules. They're renegades. Oh yeah, everyone's always like, yeah, well that, that makes that's true. There's no like Barney Miller of the movie. It's, I mean, well, actually, funny enough, the actual is there a Barney Miller of the movie? No, the actual answer for is there a good cop movie? It's Judge Dredd, because he only follows the rules to a T. That's his whole thing. Right, is, like, but he the only rules cares. themselves are kind of messed up, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm talking about Dread, the, the Carl Urban one. Not, I have not actually seen the Sylvester Stallone one sometime, and we shouldn't go back to it because Enemy of the Show, Rob Schneider, plays a pretty prominent role. <laughs> yeah, ba- based on the marketing materials I've developed, Rob Schneider has become our third enemy of the show, <laughs> along with Zendaya and the, fil- and the, the show, show Billions. Billions. Which is interesting because, I mean, Zendaya is sort of just like a riff we're doing, and Billions, it's not going to be about the quality, but Rob Schneider, we just kind of backed into a corner of, of making him an enemy of the it's show. It's more, the enemy of the show is Ula, the character. Right, it's not Rob Schneider, the man. Yeah, he seems fine. I don't know anything about him. In real Although life. he's a little bit responsible for Ula, but right. really Ula himself is the villain of Fifty First Dates, right? And it, you know, film, right? He's like this Randall Flag from like the stand as like just like avatar of evil that exists in the world. Um, and uh, anyway, Judge and, Dredd, though. Yeah. Oh, and on the lowbrow side, we've got Super Troopers, <laughs> which is uh, a good movie. They're all, yeah, a great movie about um, bad cops. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is, they're bad cops, but they're not like they're bad at being cops, but they're not evil i okay i say they're not evil they're more mischievous but they are definitely in the technical sense kind of corrupt cops yes in that they are abusing their they're 100 abusing their power right but it's funny okay so i think the movie actually has a we're getting right out we're getting right right out the gate we're talking about it because i was thinking about this and honestly we can do a little more and sort of if we had like serious part about like cop and cop again and things like that but they the movie has a line where they're discussing farva you know, the yeah, Kevin yeah. Hep- the oh, they're ba- talking about the shenanigans one. Right. The, the line is like, his shenanigans are cruel and mean, while ours are fun and mischievous. And like, that's why they're okay. Yeah, they yeah. are. They actually are describing how comedy works and why there's that one friend who doesn't get it and fucks it up. <laughs> Farva is a perfect character because that's the that guy exists, particularly in offices, but just in friend, friend groups. There's the one guy who like wants to be funny and doesn't get how and goes too far. Right. Is the one who who uh, mistakes cruelty for comedy. And right. And is just like, oh, yeah, the meanest I can be, the saddest I can make someone else means that I'm winning the comedy. Yeah, uh, like and- Michael Bay, the director. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not enemy of the show yet. No. We haven't covered... We, we can't make him an enemy of the show. We've talked Michael Bay. Armageddon. We? Yes, we, okay, Armageddon's the one we covered. Thank yeah. you. I was Because I was reaching for that one because I, I I was in my mind, I'm like working through the Transformers. And I'm like, I know we didn't cover the Transformers. Yeah, you forget Armageddon, Armageddon is a Michael Bay, even though it is the Michael Bay movie. Right, because then he just, he became the Transformers guy and now he's doing the... Honestly, Ambulance looks good. The one that's Does coming it? out. I think so. Oh, I. you mean uh, Nightcrawler 2? Right, the one, this the, time it's personal. The one where Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen are in an ambulance for the whole movie. It really looks like Nightcrawler 2. It looks like the Nightcrawler finally just got inside. Instead of chasing the ambulance, he he caught the ambulance and but, he's inside the ambulance And also now. was a bank robber. And yeah. also, I think they're all veterans because it's a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, it makes sense. Instead of kind of manipulating the crimes into happening, he just is a criminal now. Right. It's, it's the perfect... Excla- ex- it's the perfect... Next step. 
Is yes, that the word? But there's like no, a fancy no, no, word. No, no, no. Looking for a fancy word? Looking for yeah. the highbrow word? Heightening. It's the perfect heightening. Escalation. 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 I, I, was, I got tripped on an escalation. Oh, God damn it. We're going to have to cut all of this. Exca- <laughs> <laughs> I keep on wanting to say, oh, we have to get out. We're, we're rejecting. Plot. Plot. We're Talk about the plot of these movies. Plot. Plot. I do train day. here first. Training day. Okay, training day is about, uh, there's a rookie cop played by Ethan Hawke. He is promoted to vice in his first day. It's his first day with a new squad. He's being trained under this famous uh, detective. Yeah, he's like the head of the Vice Squad. Yeah, his name's Alonzo Harris. That's Denzel. Turns out he's insanely corrupt. And just insane. Oh, and just a crazy, crazy person. And the whole time he's kind of like messing with Ethan Hawke and like kind of bringing him into this boys club but also being evil. Turns out he's trying to get enough money to pay off the Russian mob who are trying to kill him uh, because of some shit he did. Uh, Ethan Hawke does manage to stop him from making the drop off the money. The Russians get him uh, and uh, he dies and... Reason Hawk makes it home. Yeah, last scene is just him getting home, and I like that. We can get into it a little bit later, yeah. but I like the fact that it just ends there. You don't. He doesn't really solve anything. He might be fucked for the rest of his career after this. Right. It. it it's just. Uh. I mean, it's 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 training day. It's the concept. It's like yeah. when the movie like delivers on the concept that it's just one day in the life. Yeah. You know, it opens with he wakes up. He and he wakes up and leaves the house. It ends with he comes home. God. Uh, this just reminds me of those first rough days of work. I remember one where. I was I was like my first assistant job at a management company, so it was kind yeah. of an intense assistant job, yeah. and I was just so nervous and scared the entire day. I never left my desk and never used the bathroom. I just oh, forgot to use the bathroom. I've been there too. Yeah, and then it was like closing time. It was like whatever, seven eight p.m. and I had to go, and I then realized like, oh my god, I'm going to pee my pants if I don't go to the bathroom now. But I don't know where the bathroom is because I forgot, so I have to ask somebody <laughs> where the bathroom is and thus reveal that I did not go all day. So I asked the other assistant, I'm like, hey man. Where's the bathroom at? He's like, did you not pee the entire day? I was like, no, no, no. I went during lunch. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, no, I was just so scared that my body forgot to pee. I mean, I think that's kind of one of the, it's, it's one of the things that makes Training Day a very good movie is that like. That he never pees in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, whether or not someone pees, I, don't, I can't think of a movie where someone pees where I'm like, that's really making the movie. Normally, it's just sort of like I could take it or leave. There's, there's me, myself, and Irene where he just pees on the wall because he has a boner. Uh, I have not seen. Me I don't know if it Irene. makes the movie. It's not a great movie. Apparently, there's a scene in uh, I think it's the Paperboy, the Lee Daniels movie, where Nicole Kidman pees on Zac Efron because he gets stung by a jellyfish. Oh, that's like a that's a classic Friends bit. Is it? Yeah, they're at the beach house, I haven't seen and um, I think it's Ross gets Ross gets stung by a jellyfish, and gotcha. Somebody pees on him. I haven't seen the Paperboy. Uh, I think that's what it's called, or that episode of Friends. Uh, Got it. I'll probably watch the episode of Friends first because it's shorter, and I don't even know where you would find the paper. There are some movies that have shitting as a pivotal plot moment. Are there? I mean, yeah. certainly uh, by accident, Jackass too. Yeah, with fart helmet. Yeah, fart helmet. Fart helmet's a big moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would you call it pivotal? I guess in, in the, as far as Jackass has plot. For Pontius, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> straight up ruined his life. Or Steve-O. I actually forget. Who I guess was I'm that. I'm just thinking of Pulp Fiction where. Well, anytime someone uses the bathroom in Pulp Fiction, something bad happens. Yeah, yeah. well, specifically John Travolta. Yeah, I, I guess spoilers for spoilers Pulp Fiction. for Pulp Fiction. But if you're listening to this, you've probably seen Pulp Fiction. If you, yeah, I mean, if you're one of our friends, if you're like of our age group, I mean, if, if, I, I don't know, man. Everyone's seen Pulp Fiction, right? That's not a movie we've forgotten. That's a movie people watch. No, no, I think people either like it or aggressively don't like it. Right, but, but most but people they have, are, they are talking about. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, every time that John Travolta takes a shit, something bad happens. I heard a, the internet theory that. He's in the bathroom all the time because he's on heroin. Oh, that would but make heroin sense. makes you constipated. I think. So. Oh, that's true. Well, according to Train Spotting. Yeah, yeah. Which is which I believe. I'll... I believe anything Train Spotting has to say about heroin. Yeah. All right. In Super Troopers, a station of Vermont Hi- Vermont Highway <laughs> Patrolmen, Vermin, Vermin, some varmint, some varmint. Okay, a station of Vermont Highway <laughs> Patrolmen are about to be shut down. 
There is not a lot of crime to in this area, which is part of why they're not getting shut down because they yep. just don't have the numbers. So they're just doing a lot of bits. They're really screwing with people when they're pulling them over. They're having a good time. And then the rivals are the local cops. And then they find out that the local cops are in league with a group of Canadian drug smugglers who are bringing in marijuana into Vermont from Canada. And uh, the Vermont Highway Patrolman, they try to save the uh, they try to save their station, but they end up getting shut down. And at the last minute, they're able to bust the dirty cops and end up taking the cops' place. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a complicated plot for a movie that really is just. I did a little bit of looking up the movie, and basically, the, the it started the concept of the movie was just some of the broken lizard guys are on a road trip, and they got caught. I think Johnny J. Trancher was was pulled over a lot, and he always thought like, man, it would be so easy for these cops to just fuck with us in some funny ways. Yeah. So the movie just came out of them thinking of funny ways that. Super, like state troopers could fuck with people who they pulled over, oh, which is so and, much of this movie. And boy, do they do it. Oh, that reminds me. This uh, film was written by the group, the comedy group Broken Lizard, which is Jay Chandrasekhar, Kevin Heffernan, Steve Lemmy, Paul Soder, and Eric Stolhansky, and it was directed by Ch- Jay Chandrasekhar. Training Day, directed by Antoine Fuqua, uh, written by David Ayer. Uh, we were on tr- uh, Super Troopers. Yeah, Super Troopers has a deceptively, you think of it as just kind of a bunch of bits strung together, but there actually is an overarching plot that is actually seeded pretty early in Act 1 because it's like a recurring it's a recurring thing that they keep on running into the local cops at crime scenes. Right. They're like how well, how do these guys get here? Why are these guys here? Yeah. Yeah, and they they think it's just that the cops are trying to overstepping their boundaries because they're trying to get them shut down, but it turns out the cops are escorting these criminals because they're in league with the smugglers and that's why the cops are always there. So yeah. it's actually pretty smart in that it there is a plot happening in the background. Yeah, it's good, and it's, it's this kind of combo because I feel like there's like very plot-driven comedies, like and Game Night is the more recent one, and then there's ones that are just an excuse for you, like joke machines, like we talked about. And yeah, Super Troopers like, is mostly a joke machine, but it does, you know, have a plot that coalesces, and it, you know, it, the stakes keep rising to a big funny finale when they like chart. You know, the end, at the end, they see the the drug smugglers coming in. They like put a blow-up doll on the top of their like, yeah. stick trooper car, and they like, drive in and have a big funny fight. Yeah, and there's also a couple of reversals with characters, and they're all very character-motivated. So yeah. there's Ursula, who's the uh, female cop, on the female local cop, who's right. also a love interest for... I forget the character's name. I, I think it's Paul Soder. Sure. But, but um, not that's the actor, not the Yeah, character. again, sure. I, I actually... I, I know Kevin Heffernan is... Farva. Yeah. I know Jay Chandrasekhar is uh, Ramathorn. Yeah, and I know the character named Mac, who's the guy with the bulletproof cup. Yeah. We don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> we can, There's five. We can do it two more times. There's five of them. But anyway, she starts dating one of the super troopers, and then uh, she's she they accidentally find a bunch of evidence while hooking up, right. and it turns out that she's actually been leading him to that evidence. Right. And, and it's also very character motivated because the, the whole thing about her character is that the other cops are pretty sexist and don't respect her and have her stuck on the radio and won't let her out. Right. So it means that, A, she's left out of all of the dealings with the smugglers because she's not on the road. And also she has a reason to try to get rid of them. So it's actually pretty smart. Yeah. And then Farva betraying them is also I mean, because I'm, they left him out. Right. But also because he's just a big dumb piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, so funny that you brought up the Ursula thing, like how she's trying to lead them to stuff. Yeah. I think that they also get to something else because she mentions like I well, they're like why didn't you tell us about this and like, why have you just been like you know hinting at it and stuff and she's like well I think you'd mess it up yeah like she like it's a major plot point in this movie that they're explicitly very bad at being cops to the point that they cannot be trusted to like arrest someone yeah no they're all <laughs> idiots I mean there's the other line where they say I'll trade you that fat guy for our guy and that stupid guy for the other guy she says you're gonna have to be more <laughs> specific <laughs> they're all pretty fat and stupid well it's even another point where like the reason they're getting shut down is because they don't have any revenue because they don't issue anybody tickets yeah because <laughs> they're too they're too bad at being cops to pull people over yeah like, they're in the middle of vermont 
But then it does weirdly kind of get into the problem of cops having quotas and making unnecessary arrests, which is right. a real life, real problem. That right. is big. And because and the uh, the local cops, the bad cops in this movie are kind of like. I mean, I will not. I don't think Super Trooper is doing a particularly deep analysis of the problems in policing, but I it think does it have kind of is in it a do, way. It does have Farva, who is the clo- he kind of wants to be like like Alonzo's squad in Training Day. Yes, like not not explicitly, but he kind of wants to be a like, kick ass take names cop. But obviously, he's in like he's a state trooper in Vermont, and like he so he acts out and just like attacks random people. Yeah, uh, and obviously the local cops are just like you know blatantly corrupt. You don't really dig into their psyche very much. They're just. But they just are criminals. Because they're is, shitty guys. But that is a thing. There are cops who are who are bad. Yeah, I would say... Okay, so what I was thinking in watching Super Troopers... Because I, I also... <laughs> the way I watch both these movies is the way that will specifically infuriate you the most. Sure. I watch them both back-to-back in a coffee shop on my laptop. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to sneak them in during work and like sections. Like, it's probably yeah, not the best I was, way to like... I was, really I was with a friend who was... Do, we were both doing work in a coffee shop, and my work was watching these movies. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fine. I mean, look, man, we're we're grown men. We have jobs. <laughs> Anytime we can sneak in two movies a week is fine. Oh, God. It is ruining my life watching these movies. But um, what, what was I even talking about? Um, how oh, you watch them. Oh, so Super Troopers, I think it's weirdly, in a lot of ways, a more realistic depiction of police corruption than Training Day. Because training day, Alonzo is this snarling force of evil who is right. just like unfathomably bad in some ways. Like right. you can kind of understand it. He justifies it, but ultimately he's just a bad dude, right? Yeah. I mean, I do really want to dig into his whole side because I think the second this is my second time watching the movie, and I had I had a different take on his psyche this time than the first yeah. time. So we'll dig into that. But you, you but had then a point the Super make. Troopers. So I would even say honestly, the Super Troopers, which is just what I'm going to call our squad of the Highway Patrolman guys. Yeah, that's what you should. Yeah, they are. They're also corrupt. Like they abuse yeah. their power constantly. It's in funny, pretty lighthearted ways. Although in they do also do a bunch of unnecessary drug busts, which and they're real hypocrites about it because they're all smoke a ton of weed. Right. Oh, like, do they? I mean, we see them drink a lot on the job, which is similarly bad. Well, do we see them smoke weed? The one. Remember the? They're all smoking weed when they're watching the Johnny Chimpo. Right. 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 Okay. So they do it at least once. And then they're making fun of Rabbit specifically for being a pothead because Farva is making the deadhead jokes and stuff. Right, so. Yeah. It, he's kind of specifically the one who smokes, but they all smoke weed together. Right. They're all like chill in that way. Yeah. They're not yeah. like they're they're like what a bunch of chill dudes were cops and they're also like drinking and driving for the entire third act and stuff right but i would say so the corruption that occurs in super troopers is more a result of kind of boredom and just like boredom and lack of care and combined with unlimited power right I mean, it's so it's this thing of um right when people talk about like police reform part of it is you need to get the like, corrupt cop like actually corrupt evil cops out but part of it is if you have Right, it's it's just like it's the banality of evil. It's not like they're like actively evil. It's just they're just bored and and dumb and angry. Yeah, and they which can is, which is far from and yeah. they can do whatever they want. Right, which it's, yeah, and then also combined with the fact that they eventually get this hard quota that they have to arrest people. At one point, Brian Cox doing the Lord's work. This is my probably my first Brian Cox experience when I was a kid, and he's so good in this movie. He's very, very he's he's a very good actor. Yeah, he's, he's I remember it was it blew my mind when I found out he was a serious actor later. Really? Yeah, because well, I knew. I mean, at first I knew him from X. Troopers. I knew from X Men Two, which is like a very serious performance. And right. also, those X Men movies had like Ian McKellen and Patrick. S- like they had grown up actors. Yeah, I mean, I think the next thing I saw him in was the Bourne movies, and he's very scary in those. Uh, he's great in those. I've not seen. We'll get. We'll get to that when he. Uh, you know, later. Thing. Yeah, Go but on. at one point when they're having the meeting about how they need to get more, their arrest numbers up to save the station, somebody says we can't make them speed, and Brian Cox says try. Yeah, <laughs> which is that is the problem with quotas and the yeah. like, as like the insidious 
like the insidious agent of police corruption, which is just that it is their job to arrest, so they're going to arrest even when they don't right. necessarily need to. I mean, like the wire gets into that a lot, which is just the, the, what are the incentive incentives that lead to bad policing? That it's usually there are bad apples, but there's also the if you have a bad incentive structure in you know, it, like for him, it was you always need to juke the stats to like get the crime results better, so right. the politicians would be happier. In this one, is you need the money so the you don't all lose your job. Yeah, that's why red light tickets are so annoying and expensive, and how I get them so much. And then the other thing that I'll say, I don't get that many red light tickets, but <laughs> like, going, going yeah. Um, and then the Four other years. thing I'll say is that so then they discover that there's these other more classically corrupt cops who are actually helping criminals, right? And then they defeat them and then just take their place and become corrupt cops. <laughs> so it's it's like even like that. But they become corrupt cops in a way that is not as as net of an evil on the like all they do is they bust up a party and then just like hang out. Right. But that is that that's, is that's corruption. Bad. Right. Yes. It yeah. is bad, but it is not as bad. Like it, you got to take the wins in this world where you can get them. Sure. Sure, yes, they're, they're less bad corrupt cops. But the other crazy thing is that these guys are just smuggling in weed, which who gives a shit? Well, they rec- they reference that in the movie. Linda Carter playing, uh, doing the Lord's work. Uh, Linda Carter was playing the governor of Vermont, uh, mentions like, like, he's like they, oh, it's just weed? Why did you bring me here? I thought the implication that scene was that she would want to do the coke if there was coke. Oh, I thought it was that like weed is not a serious drug. I think that was give a shit. I think that was also it, which is also that's I mean, it's the other crazy thing that comes up in training day a lot because they're I mean, also, they bust those college students to begin in training day. Right. I will let you talk. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going on a blue streak about this. But they they like arrest those college students. Those college students are basically like the guys in the beginning of Super Troopers where They're just they're just kind of trying to get some weed to have fun. They're not these master criminals or anything. I know. Well, that's so that's what I think is so interesting about that. I mean, in general, I think it's a very very smart uh, uh, depiction of how you can just escalate people to do bad shit as by as by bringing them into the crew. Like this whole like it starts in the first scene where Ethan Hawke and Denzel are talking and Alonzo Harris are talking, um, where he where he like he ribs him about like how he had a, a training officer who was a woman. Right. And like the very first thing he's constantly like, oh, yeah, you definitely fucked her, right? And he's like ribbing him on. Yeah, yeah. Like from the moment one, he's just like encouraging bad behavior. And then just like that scene is just a way of just like making him do something super intense that he's not quite comfortable with because those guys are obviously not dangerous. Yeah. And then, okay, so just a little plot, little plot stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's where they get the weed that has PCP in it. Do we think that Lonzo engineered that entire situation i think lonzo gave him different weed oh that would make sense right because he like gets it and then he like hands him something that makes sense yeah because i was i was thinking more complicated i was thinking either he got his informant guy to sell the those guys right weed i saw it as as i I saw it as that would that also would have been possible because this is a movie that while more realistic than super troopers is certainly a very heightened you know depiction of yeah um, it's 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 an action movie yeah although i do think it is a very highbrow very well written and directed. Oh, it's on. got a lot of stuff to say, but yeah, it's it's the most insane version of all of this right. stuff. Uh, so, uh, point I want to make about so you're talking about just like you know how Super Troopers the more realistic or, uh, uh, depiction of police corruption. And I yeah. think there's there's something to that point. I do want to give credit to uh, Training Day because it's coming out. It comes out in 2002. It was ri- you know filmed obviously 2000 2000 2001 ish. Uh, would have been developed and written in the 90s, and that was coming out of a time like coming off the Rodney King riots. Uh, um, mm, they Rodney talk King about beating. Rodney King a lot. Right. I mean, that was a time when um, the LAPD in particular, I mean, OJ Made in America, the documentary goes really well in depth into this, was a very, very, it was coming out a lot more in mainstream like media, how corrupt it was. Mm-hmm. And then the Rampart scandal, right. uh, which is what Training Day is almost explicitly based on. 
like David Ayer had mentioned that like it was an idea he had for a while, and then the Rampart scandal made him like want to write it, and then a lot of the kind of details of uh, um, of Training Day are coming lifted kind of directly from that. Uh, also, to be fair, the Rampart scandal, I don't know very much of the specifics of that. It, it was a it was a group of like very corrupt cops who were like abusing their power in like like insanely egregious ways was my understanding. Yeah, that's really. I mean, I I didn't do any research into it going into this. I think Rampart is either a police district. In LA, yeah. or it's a like police like station, yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's it's a, it was like that police station that was extremely corrupt. But right. I can't really talk to it much more than that. And then there's other things in, in Training Day that are true, like the um, with the fact that the the cops were all in this gang, like have matching tattoos. And yeah, which is a that's the thing that came up more recently. And yeah, there's the LA sheriffs. There are gangs in the LA sheriff's department who have yeah. matching tattoos and are running gangs. Honestly, there's a lot of bad cop stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good cops. There's a lot of cops who help people, but there's a lot of corruption in policing too, and that's, yeah, that's I mean, not good. What's that's the old saying? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's kind mm-hmm. of like you have to actively fight the corruption because it's so easy to do that it becomes attractive. Right. So it. it I mean, yeah. And it, Alonzo is not fighting it. He seems very actively. I, don't, I guess he does kind of mention early on that he maybe made it well you never know how much he's lying right but he says that he was more like ethan hawk earlier in his career he might have been more but in context in that scene which is i think the i think that's like some of denzel's like best acting ever that denzel's doing amazing here. this is like i know there was this kind of thing that was like oh denzel won for training day but he should have won for other stuff like no he won for training day and should have won for other stuff but he should have won for training day he's yeah. freaking great in this movie yeah. Um, but that, that in that scene, he's like kind of given this emotional like, look, you gotta you you gotta put up with the bad stuff. You want to do any good? This is the only way to be to actually make change in this bad situation. But th- he's trying to get Ethan Hawke to not like inform on him in that moment, right? Because he's saying that Ethan Hawke can only change it from the inside. Right. He's just trying to get him to the next place where he can have him killed, which is what happens in Super Troopers. <laughs> in Super Troopers, they get promo- they get rid of the bad cops and get promoted, so they can theoretically change it from the inside, and then they immediately just bust a party and are total shitheads. <laughs> but they're not running drugs, which it's better. True. It's if anything, Super Troopers is vindicating. No, you know what? Lonzo's I point. support those cops bringing weed into Vermont, which should have been legal. They were doing the right thing and bringing that sweet, sweet weed into the great state of Vermont. Exactly. Well, I think although they, they didn't murder a lot of people, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, I'm gonna people. walk that yeah, back. <laughs> they, murdered, they murdered a bunch of people. Right. Right. Selling weed, fine. Murder, not as fine. Yeah. Um, not as fine. <laughs> you won't even commit to saying it's not fine. It's just not as good. Depends on the murder, I guess. I think by definition, murder is bad. Murder is just extra, extra legal. It's just if you kill someone. Who and you're not allowed to. Yeah, but like if I saw someone who was killing, well, no, I, that would be like I wouldn't get arrested for murder. But if there was someone in the they, tr- people, tr- hold on, hold on, I got this, judge. I got this. If there was someone who I knew was a serial killer, but I could never prove it, and I could never like get people to do, like murdering that person would be good. And, yes. But it would be murder. But then the problem is then you get people like the people on Reddit who thought they found the Boston bomber or just some random guy. Right. Yeah. That's the more realistic depiction of right. It's just me that, killing that's what random. Dexter would actually be like, would just be Dexter finding people on Reddit. It's just this. It's just the, the Rick and Morty thing with the man in the moon. And it's just some guy. It's yeah. Just a smudge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank, so, God, thank God we made it out of that. So uh, Alonzo Harris. I'm glad you mentioned the scene where he like uh, right where he talks about like how. How, how like you could the only way to it's basically this impassioned personal plea to Ethan Hawke yeah. to like come along with him. Yeah. But like we said, it's also just to get him to the next place where he can then have him killed because at this point Ethan Hawke is not like he, he this point at least Ethan Hawke has been very clear like I'm not on board with your shit. Yeah. Uh, I think the first time I saw this movie, I was very much thought that oh, that 
Lonzo was this kind of complicated figure who at one who genuinely believed in him, even though he was a criminal, genuinely believed that he was doing a net good because he was like running the streets and keeping the criminals down and genuinely did start out like that. That was a really honest who's emotional scene. What? What's that? You said did a net good. And I just said, who's a net? I'm sorry. Hilarious. I'm sorry, Josh. Oh, oh man. This wasn't worth it. I feel so bad. <laughs> I was worried because I thought I called Alonzo a net for some reason. And I'm just like, man, I no, don't did, even know did, why I would. He did a net good. And I totally missed this character. A net <laughs> good. Freaking did her good. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut that. Uh, so, yeah. So, like, the second this time I watched it and I, my reading on it was totally different that, like, Alonzo was just a piece of shit like that like yeah he knew he was a piece of shit like he wasn't high on his own morality or whatever he just thought that he was the shit and was a bad guy and just all this other stuff that he was putting out there about like we got to ride or die together like all the stuff he used to motivate his crew all the stuff he used to control Ethan Hawk is just manipulation tactics no. and there's no there there he's, he's like just a, a demon basically. he's like a cult leader where you're just right. kind of you're just constantly scrambling trying to trying to like move the ball trying to kick the can to get your followers to keep on going with you yeah and it doesn't. None of what he says ties into any like unified belief system. He just needs them to follow him. Right. And I think it's a credit both to Denzel's performance, which is a, it's a kind of a really tricky role for as hammy as it can sometimes be. Yeah. And a credit to obviously Antoine Fuqua, director, and and the writing is just that like you can kind of read it at any level of either you know he believes he's doing good but he's evil, or he's just this deep like corrupt to his core and everything else is just yeah like a there grift, is a world in which he is sometimes telling the truth in those scenes right i, mean, I don't believe it but yeah i mean yeah. like i said the first time i saw it that was my that was my read it's just such an interesting like complex character that like i don't know just one of those things it's it's freaking fantastic also Den denzel is just just a Tasmanian devil of being an asshole to everyone in the world all the time. I think he, he is might like, have the greatest comedic timing of all time is, of any human man. He is just ever. I know. No. He is just a masterclass in being a dick to other motorists, poor gun safety, just being mean to people. Like it's he crazy. holds two guns. He has two guns all the time. <laughs> At one point, to make a point, you just start tapping the guns against each other, which is an insane way to make your point. It's so good. He's uh he's so funny in this uh and it's like it's like the little thing like another just great moment I want to highlight is that opening scene where he's like ribbing him about his like uh his the old female officer he used to learn from. Yeah. Like that scene is so well cuz it starts out with him like saying like oh whatever you want I got it. Whatever you want oh, I yeah, got it. Made... And then he makes him pay the bill at the yeah. end and the scene just like cuts. It's just which like, shows that he really probably would have made him do, he would have made him pay the bill even if he got something. Right. It's it, like he's always playing he's always playing him like this. He's always just keeping people off kilter so that they need his approval for something. It's like really really the movie's really really smart about like how those kind of people how that like cult of personality develops around someone who convinces you they're brilliant but all they're doing is like making you do the Stockholm syndrome of like, if I'm here, it's like when you have a shitty boss and you're like, well, they must be brilliant. Otherwise, why would I put up with all this shit? Yeah. This is like, this reminds me of a point I made way back in our vampires episode, which is when you're trying to hang out with hipsters and you're trying to identify them be like, Oh yeah, I like this band. You're like, Oh, I used to like that band before they were cool, but I actually, now I like this band and you just can't, you can't keep up with them because they always have something better. They always have like a cooler take on whatever you're talking about. <laughs> That's like Lonzo. Right, right. Well, it's, it's the worst version of that. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so in general, like, I, Training Day, I think, I think it's aged pretty well. Yeah. I think, like, it, it definitely, I think there's there's a lot of discussion going on right now about, like, what kind of depictions of police we want to see in everything, in, in movies and TV. I think, you know, I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, somewhat well, 
I wouldn't say famously because I think that show actually is kind of underseen, but like the last season, they really devoted to that question. Yeah, it's a Rosa kind of turning against Ro- them, right? Ro- the whole yeah. The plot of the last season is basically after the George Flo- uh, um, after George Floyd, Rosa, the character in Brooklyn Nine, leaves the force because she can't think she doesn't think she can do good on the inside, and the whole season is Andy Samberg. Not every episode, but kind of grappling with this thing of like, am I really doing good by be work be working on the force? Yeah, and I mean, I think. I think Brooklyn Nine it does it earnestly. I think it, with mixed results depending on the episode. Sometimes I, I think it's, it's tough. very hard to because uh, the show is so. Cartoonish. It's a comedy, so it's kind of hard for them to have those serious moments without right. giving up some of the comedy. Right, it's not not impossible. It's a, such a hard line to walk, and I don't. Yeah, know. it's a noble goal, but I think it does kind of it just eats away at their their capital that they can use right. to make comedy. So the words basically like copaganda is the word is like a lot that's kind of a lot of critics are starting to use now just like uh, a film and TV that's all about how like cops are always good and they sh- they should always be able to do whatever they want and, like the renegade of like you know like the the thing that the other guys parodies of like like you said all cop shows are about cops who are technically bad because they break the rules in order to get results damn it. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the other problem of that Having somebody be the hero, not not necessarily the hero, but the central character of your movie, it's automatically going to make them make you as an audience kind of side with them just because you directly empathize with them the most because you see their point of view. Right. And also because you're a movie, you're going to tr- you're going to make them look cool because you're trying to be a cool movie. Right. And people holding two guns is cool. Well, that's what I'm going to say. The thing about Alonzo is that he's like he has a lot of really well-written lines and he has a lot of awesome moments. He's extraordinarily likable. He's extraordinarily charismatic. I mean, I mean, part of that Denzel, who is one of the most magnetic humans ever. Yeah, it's like you always know he's a shitty guy, right. and you know he's evil, but it's also just unavoidably kind of cool because he's being written by these great by a great writer. Right. Yeah. David Ayer, who like despite, I mean, I, I mean, not despite anything, David Ayer, I think is a really, really good writer. Um, yeah. Especially in this like very specific zone that he always works in. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I can't hold Suicide Squad against him. He's even kind of disowned with that movie. Yeah. Um, um, and okay, and then the same thing happens in Super Troopers because they're really funny. Like their bits are really funny, and you love it. But they are hassling these people who didn't really. At worst, they were speeding. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, really, their their treatment of the drug guy of the the opening scene. They they chase down three like college kids who just have a bunch of drugs. And yeah. They just, fuck with them nonstop. That is actually police harassment, but it's super funny because they're funny bits. Right. I'm sure they must have had a conversation like what the line is and like what would, at what point is their behavior like upsetting? Yeah. This is a a deep cut reference. You ever see that movie Let's Be Cops? Yes. Okay. I I have not seen it, but I'm going to make. (laughs) (laughs) Or do you want me to? (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie Let's Be Cops? Describe the movie to me right now. So I can now have an opinion on it. Uh, That movie came out after... a, a police shooting of an unarmed black man. I do not recall which one specifically, and yeah. it's kind of super fucked up that I can't. Just There's one every six months or so. Yeah. But this was, what, 2013, something like that? 2012? I can't remember, sure. Um, So there was a big discussion. I mean, the movie got, got I think, dumped by the studio, and there was a lot of discussion among film critics of, like, is it okay to, like, make a movie that's about a bunch of people pretending to be cops and using that power to, like, be kind of a corrupt? Yeah. Because that's the part of the movie is they're just normal people pretend to be cops. Yeah, they buy some cop costumes and they kind of get sucked into a bunch of like i think it might be sucked into dirt, corrupt cop stuff <laughs> that i mean that would make sense yeah That'd be what it would be um so i guess the kind of the question is like what i, I don't know like i'm sure we're not going to solve how do you depict cops on tv now yeah but like i guess that's the question is like how are these movies doing it that's interesting and like how are these movies doing like i think trending day is doing it in a way that's basically unproblematic because it sets up it depicts police corruption and sets up good cops against that. And I will say it does make Lonzo corrupt in a pretty uncomplicated way. Right. He's, he's just 
he's killing people, he's stealing money, he's framing people, he's trying to kill right. our guy constantly. It's all felonies for this guy. Top yeah. to bottom felonies. There's he's, some misdemeanors in there, but like top, top 10 bad things he does, all and, felonies. And you're not even really seeing him do any good. In right. the over, like maybe maybe this guy as, does arrest some people. I mean, he mentions that he's arrested a lot of people. Maybe some of those were legitimate arrests, but you never see it over the course of the movie. Right. So it doesn't complicate it in that way. Right. And even the um uh like the, the there's the scene in the movie where Ethan Hawke saves uh, a woman uh for, she's being attacked by two people and he and so Ethan Hawke like gets out of the car and saves her and. Alonzo doesn't even use that. That, that could be just the easy opportunity for him to not be a villainous. Oh piece yeah, of he shit. could have helped. There he were two people helped. who were one hundred percent guilty. Right, and he could have helped, and he also could have like just arrested them or whatever. And instead, he uses it as an opportunity to like batter and like break Ethan Hawke's psyche a little bit more. Yeah, like even in that like easy win, he's like he's really is just top. He's a bad guy. This Alonzo Harris. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. That reminds me. Okay, this is kind of a unrelated but i will say one weak point in the movie plot wise was the solve of the the um the the, phone. the, the, the guy's finding the wallet in his right in his right, pocket right. when they're about to kill him and right. that saving him this, the scene where alonzo's informants are going to kill him and then they find the, the wallet he has in his pocket is the woman he saves wallet and it's also that guy's uh cousin cousin right, yeah, yeah which is it's very lucky i will say the, the movie does have a little fix in that when when alonzo tells her to run off he says, like, go tell your cousin to, like, you know, not to let you do this. Oh, that's true. Which means he knows who she is. Yeah. Which means her cousin Actually, is, okay. it is set up. That might solve it, it for it's me. still very lucky. Yeah. And, I mean, the other thing I thought about after kind of having this mental complaint is that, I mean, it, it kind of shows that it is kind of a small world, mm -hmm. This these the world of these criminals and cops who yeah. they all kind of know each other. Yeah. It is a very, it's a, it's a small community of all of them. So yeah. it does make sense that that guy would know her in some capacity. The right. fact that's his cousin is a little lucky. Oh yeah. But in the end, I don't know if I cared that much because it I think, works. Yeah. I think some people are of the school of thought that any coincidence in a movie is cheating. And I don't think that's true because coincidences happen all the time. In real right. Life. The Pixar rules of storytelling. Their rule is a coincidence can get your character in trouble, but not out of it. I think this one is a little bit of both because it's not just the coincidence that saved him, but it's the fact that he was a good person. The one time he broke off from, Lonzo's like mission. Yeah. Because he remember he like sees the attack and just like get me out of this car is yeah. the thing that saves him. So yeah. it's a little bit of there's a little bit of theme in there that I think that it helps it get down for me at least. No, it's true. It is his ethos as a cop that he is actually trying to help people that right. does save him. And it does uh, it happens to do it in this kind of lucky way. But you're right that it is ca his character, his his character saves him. So I will say a fun thing, just pivoting to super troopers, there's something occurred to me. Right. So the, the the emotional core of Training Day is Ethan Hawke wants to be wants to help people. Yeah. Like he is like the platonic ideal of a police officer. Although I have some complaints about that. Right. Too. I actually, we, we should talk about how fucking dumb he is too. Oh, he's the dumbest. He's man the, the dumbest world. man in the world. He's just he gives a bunch of guys his gun. Yeah. They're just like, hey man, can we see your gun? They take it and they try and kill him. He gets peer pressured by these guys. Like, sure, I get being peer pressured by Lonzo. He's your boss, but right. these guys are some random drug dealers. If you think they're going to kill you, and that's why you're, that's not a reason to give him your gun. You need your gun. <laughs> I, I I really like that scene just because I think those characters are good. But oh, like that great. scene is insane. Yeah. Uh so the weird thing for me is that so the emotional core of um Super Troopers so of training day is that oh. you know that cops should be good, right? Yeah. And it is bad that cops are bad. Yeah. Super troopers, 
They none of them want to help people. The question of should we help people is not raised. It is not referenced. It is not spoken. It is not hinted at. It is at no point is there ever an opportunity for these police officers to help people. There and is, the drugs are not even hard drugs. So at worst, they're just stopping people from smoking weed, which is a thing they do. Yeah. In the movie. Like, yeah, you're right. They <laughs> never really even think about being good cops or whether their jobs matter. It's just their job. It is a movie that is completely amoral. Yeah, it is not. They're the only moral. but but it's not immoral. It's just no. amoral, right? It's like there's no. The only thing is they're just a bunch of guys who want to do shenanigans. Yeah, and and then that's like like have any of those people ever like have any of these cops ever had to like save someone, help them, like, take a statement from whose car was stolen, like look into like <laughs> they're, they're not all. even they're like not even that worried about when they find a dead girl. <laughs> It's all kind of bits. I mean, yeah, they pull over that guy, the the trucker. They just get locked in his truck, <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> I don't know. It just worth considering that, like, it's it's so the highbrow lowbrow of it is partially that this movie is so completely uninterested with dealing with that that essential idea that a cop sh- should be good. But they, they know that cops should not be actively breaking, like, doing felonies. But like that, cops have a higher purpose at all, right? It's just sort of like, wouldn't it be fun if there was some fun cops? But in a way, is that maybe an even greater statement that they, for them is just their job? It's like they're a bunch of truck drivers. Well, truck drivers I, don't necessarily think about whether they're doing a greater good in the world. They just drive trucks because that's how they make their money. It's kind of like, honestly, in a weird maybe, way. Maybe there's some truck drivers who think they're doing greater good. It's <laughs> it's a noble profession. I don't have a problem. with I, it. No, truck drivers are great. We it's certainly really don't want to run and follow the Teamsters. No, no, absolutely. And honest and gotta say, truck drivers are great. They're they're it's. They're, a lot we more really transportation is still really done by trucks. It's like really like the yeah. infrastructure that like keeps supply chains open. Like, yeah. We, we got to keep this. We got to be clear about that. Yeah. Um, we I support w- them more than cops. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting, Super Trooper, you brought that up that it's just like a job. Yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of like, you know, it's this thing that a lot of doctors usually say that Scrubs is the most realistic medical show mm-hmm. because it's not about like a new crazy thing happening every week because most of the time when you're a doctor, it's a, it is a job. It's obviously incredibly difficult. There are incredibly trying moments to it, but it, like any job it becomes a day in day out thing and scrubs kind of gets that regularity of it yeah is is that a value of super troopers that it's doing that it, for, it's one of the very few depictions of police where it is just sort of a day job for them yeah where it's I, not like this I heroic actually think thing. so i the funny thing is the other show that i sometimes reference although i've never seen it it's more i've heard a dan savage bit where he's talking about watching the show barney miller mm-hmm. and about how dan savage's dad was a cop and he liked barney miller because barney right. miller is a lot about kind of the paperwork and grunt work of being a cop which right. is apparently a lot of being a cop right and it's like this is kind of like that where it's just about yeah they're just having kind of staff meetings they're hanging out they're bored and they're just trying to do their job and mm-hmm. then they're missing their quotas so they have to make their quotas it's not none of it's about the greater purpose of police policing right. <laughs> it i and it's like almost it's because i don't want to like heap praise on this movie i do want to heap praise in that, on this way. Movie. Oh, not like, that way oh no 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 i, I oh, super troopers funny shit real like and that's honestly all needs to be in it is. Like I was yeah. about to list a bunch of things, and that's really the thing. Yeah, um, I, I do. I do have a couple jokes that I think are secretly much smarter than they seem at first. There's one. If we're doing jokes, let me sneak one in. We'll do a quick, okay. quick, quick roll we'll, call we'll, of funny we'll, jokes. Okay, all right, all right. You go first. We'll go we'll back, back, back and forth. Okay. One of my favorite moments that's a joke that's actually funnier than it seems at first is when the guy, one of the, the one of the cops, is pretending to be a speeder, and he pretends to kill all the other cops and right. runs into the car that has guys they arrested. And, says we're, yeah, we're and going he to screams, Mexico. "You boys like Mex- Mexico!" and then yeah. drives off, which is hilarious because they're in Vermont, <laughs> they're next to Canada. He would have to drive across the entire United States to get to Mexico. And at first, you're like, "Yeah, Mexico is where you go when you commit a crime," but it's right. not where you go when you commit a crime in Vermont. It's insane, right? They like reference the border, like yeah, it's constant. Yeah, they're dealing with Canadian drug dealers. 
the weird joke like that is like you kind of have to squint for it is uh they never use the correct nato phonetic alphabet <laughs> yeah <laughs> like every time they're, they're trying to like spell out like whiskey tank or whatever it's just random words and this, you can see them kind of just picking them at random and then the other head. funny one is one time for e they use eunuch and the e <laughs> is silent in that <laughs> it's great it's man it, it it i wouldn't say this is like a you know every time i watch it i find new jokes but i will say it, it's it's very funny absolutely holds up i was never like oh this is i can't believe they're spending 10 minutes on this joke right now no i'd say like the way that they write jokes there are sometimes nested jokes in each other that if you dig deeper into the joke you find more funny things which is yeah. very smart joke writing yeah like another one is there's a point where uh jay chandrasekhar who is i believe indian or southeast asian of some sort yeah uh he walks up to the other cops and they start making a bunch of mexican jokes to him yeah and the rookie goes to him and says what i don't get it what are they doing there? he says they think i'm mexican and he says you're not which yeah. means that <laughs> he didn't understand that the jokes about tacos were about a mexican he said he doesn't know that tacos are mexican which is uh, insane <laughs> insane <laughs> that is very funny yeah uh good movie. oh i mean the other just the opening scene where they Everything with the guys doing the drugs oh, is man. very funny. Yeah, uh, the snozberries taste like snozberries. I mean, these are talked about it. These are yeah. all lines that, as a fourteen-year-old, I just I knew them word for word this entire movie. And strangely, I will say because this movie is all about cops, and if all they're doing is doing like the bad cop stuff, it's oddly non-problematic for a comedy of this era. You know, we've watched we're, we've we've been watching a lot of comedies and we're being like, oh, that doesn't hold up, that doesn't hold up. Yeah, and, you know, not spoiling anything, but for another episode we're doing in the future, I just watched one and there's going to be some of that. There's, I did not write down any moments in Super Troopers where I was really like, ooh, that didn't age well because they're just not in day to day life. There's no the only archetypes they are is just people who are like weird dumb cops. Well, yeah, and weirdly, I think also part of it is that a lot of it's not situational comedy; it's yeah. them doing jokes, right? So it's not they're not really making fun of people or other characters necessarily. It's they are kind of being joke writers themselves as characters. Right. They're basically the movie is mostly pranks, basically. So yeah. there's not a lot of chance to like say wrong things to each other. Yeah. And except that one scene where they are making fun of the guy's ethnicity wrong and those characters are clearly coded as the bad guys. Yeah, they're yeah, they're they're making fun of the fact that they're dumb for getting for making fun of his ethnicity and getting it wrong. Exactly. And even the movie's kind of progressive in a weird way with that like like Ramathorn, like <laughs> Oh yeah, he's a swinger. Yeah, it's like he just like casually is a swinger. He's got this like yeah, he's like a cop. He's got a really hippie girlfriend. And like I think like do they reference like the no, it is his son, but they're not married. And yeah, that's a little bit progressive. I do like the moment where Rabbit, the rook, I think it's the rookie, is asking him, "Was like mm -hmm. so you like guys sleep with each other?" And he kind of gets into the thing where it's like when if you're not in like a traditional relationship and you're trying to explain to them, he's like, "Okay, he's like, yeah, I mean, we kind of sleep with each other. We don't really. We just like <laughs> we kind of technically can." But then he asks his son if his wife is or if his girlfriend's sleeping with anybody. Right? Do you have any like friends you come over? <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. It's actually a pretty nuanced depiction of how a non-monogamous relationship works, where it's like they've been together for so long they have a son they're not really sleeping with a bunch of random people but they could if right. they wanted to and then they do bang the germans which is very funny yeah yeah uh yeah but i, I so to doing the hybrid obro just in terms of like what the values of the movie are not just it's not just that super troopers is amoral but it's also i think not a movie that has emotional moments at all I'd say with Ursula, they do a little bit. But it's very surface. I mean, it's very dumb that they would think that she's the one who betrayed them, I think. At least this time watching the movie, I thought that was very, like, you know. I will say the one kind of relationship moment I liked a lot in this movie, actually, mm -hmm. was that 
Um, I really need to remember that character. The, the guy is dating Ursula. I, I know who you're talking. The, the, the character, the, the, sure. Yeah, yeah, the blonde guy. Yep. He um he realizes that Ursula didn't betray them, and he calls her and he apologizes, and she just accepts the apology. Yeah. She because she's she just is like yeah that makes sense that it kind of makes sense that you would think that, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that you apologize, and I'm back on board, which is kind of how an apology in a relationship usually works. Right. Yeah. Like not every time you mess up in a relationship, it is like destroys everything about what's yeah, going on with you. Sometimes you can just be like, ah, oh, shit, I fucked up. Yeah, because in, like, in a rom-com, a whole act would hinge on that, of right. him having to redeem himself. And this, she just accepts the apology like an adult. Yeah. And it's great. I like that. Yeah. Because they like each other. Yeah, and and also because this movie's 90 minutes, which we love. We yeah. love that. Oh, man. 90-minute movie is the perfect length for a movie. <laughs> it's great. Um, So, I guess it's just interesting to me that normally, from what we see, is that, like, lowbrow movies can be more... Uh, focused on emotions it's usually like one idea and then it's just like telling the story as like effectively as you can and yeah. like you, you often see more complex analysis of like themes and stuff i guess to me it's really more, training day is the more lowbrow one in that training day way, is more is more is, emotional is, i think it's very emotional i think it does have a lot of themes obviously like the toxic yeah. masculinity stuff the cop stuff the i mean those are the two but uh it's just and also it, kind of being peer pressured in the oh yeah and yeah, like feeling the pressure to fit in in a workplace. Yeah, and just as a depiction of like a like a complex per- cult of personality evil. Yeah, is, I mean, Train Day is great. It's so good. Um, but it's just interesting for me the first time that like the lowbrow movie really didn't have any, like even Idiocracy has like emotional moments, like you know, like him and yeah. There's um, no bit. There's no kind of speech in the end about how we have to do better. Right. There's no and there's no speech where anyone like that apology scene that you mentioned is kind of the only time anyone has like a a low moment where they have to genuinely like emotionally connect with someone. Yeah. But like oh, it's so oh, pretty they quick. Do, they do a little bit with Farva because actually Farva has, there is they, maybe the only other emotional moment is with <laughs> okay, Farva when he yourself. says, <laughs> well, no, when they run into him, they said, you betrayed us. He's like, you guys never treated me like a cop. You like always, you like, you guys always disrespected me and you're mean to me. And they realize that they kind of have to pay for the fact that they excluded this guy. I read that a little differently, but okay. My, my reading that was more that like, he's just like an, that he was, I mean, he was always shitty, so they treated him like an asshole. Like, it's not like he was a normal guy who they like bullied into betraying them. He was a piece of shit who they had to take off the streets. Well, I was <laughs> thing is, I don't think Farva is necessarily malicious. I think he just doesn't understand comedy. He's kind of a too intense of a guy. He hold on, he does attack. Uh, I mean, everything in the oh, okay. He definitely has a rage problem <laughs> and a violence problem. Yes. Okay. I mean, he's he's not the best guy, but he's also not a. He's not an evil guy, like, and they could maybe they did earlier in their career. They could try to reach out to him more and be like, well, although they kind of tried to do that. Yeah, it's the thing that he's Farva's whole thing. What's kind of fun about him is that he's not just a bad cop, but he's also like personally unlikable. Yes, he's like if Alonzo Harris was not played by Denzel. I mean, but- Alonzo <laughs> is also kind of unlikable. I was watching it's like this is crazy. This is the shittiest man in the world <laughs> in every single level. He's like an onion of shittiness. But he also is. Like, I mean, he's charismatic because he's Denzel. Yes. But he's also the kind of guy who can, like, command respect of other, like, aggro men. Yeah. And, like, Although, that, okay. Sorry. Well, I'll say that we can talk about it after you make your point. But there is the interesting moment of seeing him out of his element with the wise men. Right. Where they don't respect him at all. Oh, right. Because, yeah, because they are just on another level. Yeah. Right. Because they don't have to talk to him. He's like the that. small fish to them. And they don't give, they don't care about his bullshit at all. They're yeah. not scared of him. And it's interesting to see him on the defensive for once in that movie. Yeah. Also, I got to say, just think of 11 movies when, like, there's just like a, a a shorthand 
for like the lore and they just don't explain it. Like I talked to the three wise men. You see those three guys who are important. You're like, I get it. These are the three wise men. They're important. Like, yeah. like John Wick does this a lot to obviously insane degrees because <laughs> that movie is basically about like John Wick <laughs> talks about the three wise men and they're in fact three wizened old men with beards <laughs> and like magical powers. They pay for everything in doubloons. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I fucking love those movies. Those movies are insane. I, I don't even notice. Uh, Alonzo and, oh, so Farva. Farva's interesting to me because like I said, it's not, I think there's always this thing of is someone a bad person or are they an evil person? Yeah. Like there's characters who are like personally dislikable. And yeah. Or like you were just like do not want to be around them. And or people who are like actually evil. Like like Bradley Cooper in um The Hangover we talked about. Yeah. He's personally dislikable in a lot of ways. But he's not but he's not like malicious or evil. So like, he doesn't I... do anything that's like violent. He doesn't do anything to betray anybody. Whereas Farva is both like unlikable and proactively harmful oh, i see this is where i think we we differ i don't think he's evil i think he's just <laughs> he it, causes harm yes he causes harm but i don't think he's he he does he's not trying to hurt people i mean other Hold than on. he's <laughs> punching people but he's not he doesn't wake up in the morning being like i'm going to cause evil in the world today he just kind of let he's doesn't really he never really has a handle on what the but what's going on in certain situations socially but he's willing to cause harm to people if it like if it like would make him better, like more fulfilled in that moment. And I think that is like an accurate depiction of like what a bad person well, is. Although I think it's also his thing is that he lashes out when people make fun of him. Cause when he, when he attacks the guy at the dip and the dip aside, the, the burger place. Yeah. It's because that guy has disrespected him. He's, he like spits in his food. He's making fun of the fact he's a cop. And then he pranks him with the water, with, the, with the drink. I, if I recall, I think far, but Farva comes in like talking shit first, right? Not really. He says, just, he just says it's for a cop. And then no. he immediately is. Oh, what happens first? Well, no, Farva just makes an order. He makes his order in a weird way because he's just a oh, weird, annoying cola? guy. He's asked for a liter of cola, and the, and the guy just starts fucking with him because he's a cop. The liter of cola that comes after the the before the before it's a cop thing. Sure. No. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he comes in. He's asked for his meal, like the burger, or whatever, and he says, it's the, "It no." He speaks to the mic like it's his thing. It's for a cop, and then Farva means like, "Why'd you say it's for a cop? Huh? You got to spit in it or something?" Yeah, like, exactly. That's but that, a, but that, that is aggressive and heightening of the situation, right? But the, but the guy in a weird way is kind of <laughs> starting it because you he's the one they're gonna. He's, he accidentally revealed that he's going to fuck with him. And then Farva he lashes could, out You know, he could have been saying, like, make he's sure it's good. He's not doing that, Josh. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what Josh that's what Josh was saying. I was joking about. You know he's, he says that. He says they were going to make it extra good. But also, They also reference that he does this a lot. That he attacked... They, they reference a uh, school bus. Yeah, when the kids start making fun of him. <laughs> and then he goes in... This, it's just like, he, he's, be, he's an insecure man. He can't deal with people like, fucking with But this is what bad him. cops are like. It's this thing of, like, if they feel like yes, you're respecting not, their I'm authority... I'm not condoning this behavior. They start hurting. It doesn't. You, if you are someone who, when you are feel insulted, you hurt people. You're a bad. You're a harmful, evil person. I wouldn't say. I would say you're. I don't pro, think he's evil. I would say, but if you're creating that harm in the world, that is a different degree of evil than Bradley Cooper in The Hangover. Or um, um, I know we've, we've talked about like Neil Patrick Harris in How I Met Your Mother. Although yeah. that's like different because like he's such a like he's like a wizard basically. In, in that movie, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, he does a lot of magic tricks for sure. But no, in, in how much like at a certain point he just starts like breaking. Like there's this whole thing of like every time they take a picture of him, he looks great. Oh, and, yeah. Like, so one point they literally like they just like throw a bunch of like water at him and like, all right, take the picture right now. And somehow he's still just like posing at the camera, even though he's facing like shit like that. I would say okay. I I don't. I still I don't think Farva <laughs> is actively trying to harm people. I think he's just not good at dealing with his emotions at all. Yeah, and I think maybe there's a world in which he could, through therapy or something, learn to deal with that. Maybe I would. I would. I. I get. Okay. I see this distinction. I'll, I'll see the point to you. Um, I think to me, I think if you're like, 
if I'm if I'm seeing this dichotomy of characters who are un, you dislike and characters who are evil or characters who are harmful, yeah, like I think he gets both those dings. And, yeah, he's definitely, and if there's he's a third ding, empirically harmful. And if there's a third ding of malicious intent, he does not get that ding. But Alonzo Harris, yeah, that's what gets say, those three dings. Farva is a great for, a great comparison <laughs> to Alonzo because Alonzo, if you if if you were to make Alonzo, Alonzo doesn't not understand what he's doing wrong. Right, he knows it's bad. Yeah, he knows it's bad. It's not like if you were to put him in therapy and explain to him how he's harming people and learn help him like control his emotions that he would change. I think maybe that could happen to Farva, but Alonzo is totally in control of every situation he's in and yeah. causes it to be harmful. Farva has yeah. no control. So let me make uh, another a, sim- a similar point just on this t- side note. I love that we're having this intense discussion about fucking Farva. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, watching, the, watching, <laughs> watching these movies, I was very excited because they do have a lot in common. So um, there's a speech that um, there's a speech that Alonzo gives. I think Alonzo is one of the one of the characters. One of his guys. It's like he's basically, are you a sheep or are you a wolf? Right. Right. And so I listened to a podcast about a. Um, I mentioned this a little bit on the Gladiator episode where it was about depictions of masculinity specifically in media focused on like guys who were very into like military cop stuff, like sure. that kind of specific brand of masculinity. And they talked a lot about how uh, in American Sniper, they do that talk as well. The sheep versus wolves. Right. But at that point, the whole thing, there's a third thing. There's the sheepdog. Which right. is like the okay. that's like the good source of like masculinity, basically. Yeah. It's like, like the catcher in the rye. Right. It's like you are supposed to be like the the one who has the power to hurt people, but does not. You protect them against the people who do. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I think if Alonzo has a thing, it's not that he maybe he knows he knows he's like against the law what he's doing. He knows he's like bad, but he uh, to me he's he's t- he's the wolf. Like he sees there's wolves and there's sheep, and I'm a wolf, so I've got to just like I just take this is what I do. Yeah. He, and whereas Farva, if he thinks he's anything, he th- I don't think Farva thinks he's a sheepdog. <laughs> At <No>. the very least. <laughs> anyway, I don't even the, know if Farva is capable of that level. <laughs> anyway, the, the podcast is very it got into just how um, the sheepdog uh, kind of um, idea was the archetype was what was mostly pushing that kind of media for a long time. And in the last like four, talking about Trump a lot of it, right. the the more wolfish, the more like you should just be an asshole kind of depiction of masculinity has, has increased more in well, that kind of media. Yeah, it's because if you create a dichotomy like that. It's that if you are not constantly on the offensive, then you are a victim. Right. So it, it makes it so there's only one, there's only two choices. It's either be a victim or be an aggressor. And yeah. I think Alonzo believes that very much. So he, for him, he's like, I have to be this way or else I'm going to be a victim. Right. There's no middle ground. Right. And I mean, I think I got, you know, credit to American Sniper, not a movie. I, I, I think it's pretty good. I think it's fine. I, I don't really I don't remember, remember it, that well. to be honest. Yeah, it seemed to have a lot of discourse at the time. I just remember the fake baby. Yeah, fake baby is a big problem. Yeah, Clint, you got to take the day. Babies are tough. You got to no, but you got to take the day. He he had his backup baby was also sick. This is the true story why this happened. All right. Okay, for listeners, there's a scene in American Sniper where he's holding a baby and it's clearly made of plastic. Yeah, that's what we're referencing. And then Bradley Co- is Bradley Cooper. No, who, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper moves the baby's arm <laughs> to try to make it look more realistic. It's really yeah, funny. It's, re- right. it's real bad. So the story was basically that they, their first baby was happened to get sick, and the second baby just didn't show. Just was a, a no-show baby. This, I've been complaining about these lazy baby actors. <laughs> so And Clint Eastwood's whole thing is we'd never go over budget. We'd never go over time. So yeah. he refused to lose the day, and they just bought a baby. They bought a, bought a plastic baby. That would also explain why it's not the best baby, because you can find a better rubber baby. Right. And Clint, you got to take the day. Yeah. You're Clint Eastwood. That, this movie's going to make a zillion dollars. You're probably already way under budget. Clint, you just take the day. Yeah, because we we're all viewers. We deserve a better baby. Very few view. Look, a lot of people are dumb. 
not that many people are so dumb they're not going to notice that's not a baby. That's not a, like that's that's a fake baby. It is very fun seeing depictions of babies in movies and TV because all the tricks to not show the baby's face and like the flips between it's when it's just like a bundle of blankets and then it becomes a baby for like a half second insert scene. It's just it's very fun. Yeah. Filmmaking's fun. Yeah. I always do the thing when like there's like a scene where someone's giving birth, like as it's happening, I'm always like, How are they gonna do this baby? How how yeah. on scale one to ten, how convinced am I gonna be on this baby? And like usually I'm like not, but I've also never seen anyone give birth, so like maybe they're really accurate. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't particularly want to see anyone. We're gonna have to birth. go on a field trip. Uh no. <laughs> Anyway, American Sniper, the sheepdog thing is very smart. Yeah. I think that's a very clever and and, and, and noble. Yeah, it gets like, rid of that false dichotomy, which is nice. Exactly. Which, I mean, like, hey, I, I don't, Training Day is kind of doing that, which is like there has to be a middle way of like people who protect people. And honestly, it kind of depicts that, well, it, I, it, he's a good cop and he wants to help people. Well, the thing is, I don't know if they ever depict Ethan Hawke's idealism as realistic. Well, he gets out of the car to save someone when he sees them. So uh, there's a moment where he he is idealistic, right? But they don't really show a. I don't. Not that I know how exactly they would do this, but they don't show a way in which he can do that and function as a cop. Right. Well, I mean, you can just do be a beat cop, like see. It. Like, yeah, they. You're yeah. right. They don't show him like. Which, no, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just right. saying the movie doesn't really give you a road to that. That's fair. I will say another interesting thing the movie does on this. We don't. It's not so much the sheep versus wolves, but just in terms of depictions of like how to be like good. Like the gangs who turn on uh, Alonzo in the end. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting like depiction of like because yeah, it's like there's all these gangs who like are, I guess are running this like area of, like uh, South Central. Yeah, and then um, basically once a, like once Alonzo like you know Ethan Hawke has Alonzo like at gunpoint, they come in to like take over the situation. They like rise up and like we like. You well, need to get out of here. Yeah, they and they s- protect Ethan Hawke because they recognize that he. Well, it may not be idealistic, but they do recognize that like Ethan Hawke should get to go home. Yeah, and that Alonzo, they are like sick of Alonzo because they see that really early on. It's Alonzo walks in, he's being really chummy with everybody, mm-hmm. and then as soon as he passes Ethan Hawke, hears them go, "Man, I fucking hate that guy." Right. So you know that they're sick of him. They don't actually they they don't buy his bullshit. Right. At all. But they've been like. But uh, they have to deal with it, right? Yeah. So, I, I, at the very least, for a movie, it is interesting for a movie, especially a cop movie, to show a, like a positive depiction of people on the on the other side of like the cop versus criminal like divide. Yeah. Weirdly, most of the criminals that Ethan Hawke deals with are pretty. I mean, th- they're criminals, but they're relatively reasonable compared to Alonzo, who's just like a snarling Tasmanian devil of evil. Right. Like. <laughs> He's going to get executed by these guys, and then the guys find out that he helped out their his cousin, and they let him go. And the guy says, "Remember, it's just business." Right. So they have it's on the game. Yeah, they op- they do operate by a certain like code of ethics. Right. And in the same way, they kind of do in the end where they they t- Alonzo tells the gang people to kill Ethan Hawke, and they give him a gun. They say, "You got to do it. We're not going to do your dirty work for you." Yeah. So weirdly, these these gangs they operate on a code of ethics. This is not me endorsing gangs, gangs. right? But in this movie. These people have more of a code of ethics than specifically Alonzo does. Right. I think it, and I think it is good. I, I, this is 2002 and it's kind of depicting like 1996. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can't speak to the gangs in LA in 1996, can't speak to gangs in general. Yeah. I do think it's probably a net good that you are depicting, that you're not depicting the cops versus these animals in the streets. Oh, kind yeah. Kind of like thing you hear from a lot of like bad cops these days. Yeah. Where like, you know, we are the only line between them, like the monsters and we're like, like this very horribly racially coded stuff, basically. Yeah. No, I mean, the. The the gang people that they interact with are way more likable and reasonable compared to Alonzo in this movie. Hey, and you know what makes one of them likable? 
It's Terry Crews. And Terry Crews what is in it. Like Does Terry Crews have a line in he's this like, movie? He's like, do yeah, it's yeah. great. It's, and I, my note on that is just like, it's not Training Day's fault that he went on to become Terry Crews. Yeah. But he did, and it's very distracting. It's pretty funny, <laughs> but it, it he's, makes sense. He's the he's the big. You got to have a big. Yeah, he's big. He's strong. He, he if you didn't know that it was Terry Crews, he would look intimidating. But he's, it is. Yeah. He's kind of taking off the taking on the tiny Lister role there, where it's just big, big snarling guy. Tiny Lister is uh, Debo from Friday. Just I have a not giant. Seen Friday. I'm getting none of these references. He's oh okay in the Dark Knight. He's one of the prisoners. He has like kind of a droopy eye. Oh yeah yeah, it's Tiny Lister. No, oh, okay, yeah. I think he used to be a wrestler or something. Makes sense. Okay, but anyway, he's he's a giant, giant jacked man, and he's kind of that yeah, role. Big. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, uh, Schwarzenegger in um, uh, the Long Goodbye. Is sure. It? Oh, it's just there's a scene in the Long Goodbye. He's like a detective, and he's like the bad, like the right, right, right. Yes, yeah. Yes. The criminal like get, like the big criminal gets great. him, and then like one of his like goons happens to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's so really it's like, distracting. Right, it's like four normal sized goons and one Arnold Schwarzenegger sized goon. It's exactly the same <laughs> thing with Terry Crews in this movie. <laughs> Uh, and he's great, and also uh, I think Clee Brown is like one of the other main ones. He's a he's a good actor. He's also in a lot of David Ayer stuff. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you think of the smiles and cries little monologue he has while he's on PCP? Also, I will say mm-hmm. I, I I love Mad Men. Mad Men is a show I watch all the time. I mm-hmm. often think about oh my god, I can't imagine being that drunk at work all the time. I would just yeah. have to take a nap. Well, if I that, being on PCP <laughs> at work sounds so much worse. Uh, let me. Uh, Okay. Okay. The, the PCP thing. I actually, I'm not quite sure what uh, monologue you're referencing. Before you explain, I just gotta say, if there is a, a really big plot hole in this movie, it's that Ethan Hawke does not fucking run away the second he finds out he got drugged with PCP. Like he he kind of lets that slide. Like yeah. that's a huge thing. Like normally, in I, his defense, he's on PCP. Okay. You know what? That's fair. I take. I note rescinded. Also, this is <laughs> but funny also thing. Ethan Hawke is the dumbest motherfucker in this. PCP movie. is one of those drugs that you always hear just stories of people eating each other on PCP, and you think, why the hell does anybody do PCP <laughs> if there is a remote chance that you're going to eat people? But I think it might just be an example of confirmation bias that nobody ever you ever read a news story about somebody who had a great time on PCP. <laughs> I guess I, you're right. The only two times here, the, here, the three times I've heard of PCP, this movie, uh, the reference in the Terminator where they say, "Oh, he was probably high on PCP. That's how he punched through that window but right. broke his hand." And uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar raps about it on Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, That's and, what that and like was. shit that like Dare cops would tell you. Right? Did yeah. you have Dare? I don't know. We had something like Dare. Yeah, we had something where they were like, "Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad." But I remember we had those classes, and I didn't know what drugs were. Yeah, I didn't I know think, what illegal think, drugs I think, were. I think Dare taught a lot of us about what all the drugs were. Right. So like they for like two we, it was like a three day thing we did in like middle school. And like first two days, literally, I was just thinking like drugs like Advil, like I don't know, my penis, like like you know, when I get sick and I get caught. Like that's what I was thinking. I was like, why would someone on the street offer me like Robitussin? Like, I don't understand. Dare was, terrible. Dare was so dumb. And then like I basically like my parents had to explain, like, oh yeah, there's like Things like that that are worse, yeah. basically. And then I was like, I don't care. I want to watch Digimon. Like, so yeah. what I'm saying is that PCP gets a bad rap. It's un- unfairly maligned. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> okay, what's the speech you're talking about? I don't recall it immediately. Oh, it's when he goes to the the house of the guy who Denzel eventually takes the money from. Um, he's oh, talking Scott, about Scott how. Glenn. Yeah, yep. he's talking about Ethan Hawke is talking about how the whole thing of being a cop is about smiles and cries. It's about managing man he's talking about how it's all about smiles and cries and then denzel's and him and the other guy kind of look at each other like oh maybe this guy knows what he's talking about yeah and i think it's about just managing small moments it's about managing your small moments of happiness and sadness and yeah. kind of like taking little bite-sized chunks out of your job so you can handle it at all Yeah, i mean i think that's a positive outlook to have 
I mean, I, I cannot speak to the lived experience of being a police officer, especially in Los Angeles in this time. Yeah. But like the mindset of you just got to take the wins when they come. Yeah. And like try not to have, have the bad ones is a lot better than we are at war with the streets. You yeah. Know? Which is, so I think it speaks more to that. This movie, I think, is very smart about, um, you know, having this, you know, in so much of the movies about toxic masculinity, having this very clear face off between Ethan Hawke, who is like, a good man who wants to do like good things and Alonzo Harris, who is, uh, you know, bad guy. Yeah. Although it is interesting. So if you're taking that smiles and cries, little monologue, Again, as, I'm just, I didn't really clock this moment as I was oh, okay. watching it. So I'm just, what, as you were describing, yeah. trying to pick but it, up. it is. So I do, th- I do agree with you. That's kind of a more positive, um, outlook on how to deal with a very difficult job. And, uh, but the weird thing is Denzel it look, here's that speech, and he goes, "Oh, that's like that's smart. That's like mm-hmm. the, that's the first time he may, maybe he's just being facetious, but that's the first time he kind of acknowledges anything Ethan Hawke says as being smart or true." Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that he acknowledges that that has some truth to it, even though he doesn't live like that at all. That, well, that's why it gets it makes back to him more evil. Talk. Well, it gets back to our discussion of him. Like it, it, it could be that he's genuine. He's he generally believes that, and he's just giving Ethan props, Ethan Ethan props, Ethan Hawke props. That he thinks it's a good point and is giving him props, but knowing that that will help him manipulate him later. Or he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't mean anything to him, but he knows that giving him positive feedback would help him in that moment. Like, That's true. The, the fact that Lonzo always exists on this spectrum of like, you just don't know. You, like, you, you can read him as this empty, evil husk, or as this person kind of more on the spectrum of it. I don't, like I said, to me this time, we're much more on the evil hus side. Yeah. But I, if someone, you know, if you were to argue that against me, I'd be like, okay, I think that's a good point. But even the worst man must have a little moment of goodness, you know? Right. He has this, even the smallest discreet moment of understanding what morality is. <laughs> I will say, okay, to get, making a little bit of a broader point about villains in general, mm-hmm. I do think broadly, you know, the, the thing of the villains have to have some good thing about them to humanize them. You know, villains should believe they're mm-hmm. a good guy, that kind of stuff is... Uh, is usually very helpful for crafting a villain when you're like writing right. and, and what you're watching. I do think this is something to be said for when you just very effectively just go to the far end of like, no, there is nothing like this person is just absolutely fucking evil. Like, because there are people who are like that. Yeah, it's kind of like what we the point we made about Kenneth Branagh and Tenet, how, right. how we appreciated that he was just he was an, he was abusive to his wife and that he was just a snarling villain and never tried to make him likable at all. Right, and like the, the movie makes you understand how he got there. Just I don't know radiation poisoning mostly. Yeah, but like it, it, there is something to be said for a movie that is willing to just show that level of depravity of evil i think yeah fuck that guy but you have to that has to be the decision you're making it's not just we forgot to give this guy an interesting motivation it's just like we are uh it's um freaking uh iago in othello there's a lot of conversation like shakespeare people about like is he the motiveless malignancy is the theory Mm -hmm. of that like what some people are just the freaking worst yeah although i mean (laughs) and iago is also racist and iago is also like upset about some other stuff like it's in there anyway but farva is farva has motive he does yeah he just he wants to be involved he doesn't understand he's insecure because he deep down he kind of understands that he doesn't understand how to be fun right and also he's not quite the villain of super troopers no the cops are the villains right the local cops farva's like uh uh just sort of a wild card just fucking he's a bull in a china shop just yeah. charging through this movie because he is their guy they keep him he stays on the squad in the end yeah and they never like they don't have to like they never try and convince you why they're never like oh it's a bummer his dad is the mayor or yeah something. you gotta have well actually i mean 
Do they? Ma- Do well, I the, the one practical way that you could explain it is that he already got hired to be a cop, but he was he didn't oh, start oh, until he after the unions. Oh, but Brian Cox is like like back in my day they used to break you take you up back and pistol whip you. And now these days you have unions. So there's also that's that, that. But I was also thinking that. So he makes the deal to become a local cop, right? And then all the other local cops get fired. Oh, but he hasn't actually really started yet, so, so he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be end. part of that firing. That's really funny. Yeah, that's also a really funny scene at the end. I don't know, like, yeah, I, it's a great movie. It's also man, it's just fun seeing the big house big house parties that are fun in movies again. Like maybe there's still like teen comedies where that happens, but like you know when they open the door and they're all wearing you know they're like sweat their t shirts over their long sleeve shirts yeah. and they're like fucking beads and shit yeah. and they're just like we're gonna drink a keg and stuff. I'm like. It's just nice. Yeah. Yeah. What a time. <laughs> um, you want to do actor corner for a second? Snoop, uh, Snoop let's, Dog, let's do some Snoop Dogg's actually really good in his like one scene. Right. Snoop Dogg, I think, uh, legally has right of first refusal on any project about Southern California. So I think obviously he ha- like legally is required to be in this. Yeah. Movie. And but actually he's a, he's good. He's a good actor. Yes. I don't know about another stuff, but in this movie he's really good. Right. And also I just want to point out in contrast, Dr. Dre not very good in this no, movie. No, he's not that great. But he, and no, but really, he also doesn't do, have to do that much, so it's okay. It was distracting because those boys, those, that was uh, Alonzo's boys come in, yeah. right? And I'm like, man, these are some fucking grizzled, great character actors. And they lean, they pan to Dr. Dre, and I'm like, oh, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he can't act good. God damn it. <laughs> but you're, it's not like it doesn't break the movie. It's no, just no. like the fact that he's around these other... It would be nice if he was good at acting. Right. It would it would be a nice feather in the cap of the movie. But They should have switched him and Snoop. <laughs> Uh, right, Snoop's good. Uh, all those guys. I think David Morris is one of the wise men. He's good. Yeah. Um, there's also, there's just like a lot of good. I mean, we mentioned Terry Crews and Clee Brown. Yeah. Uh, Cliff Curtis, who I mentioned, is is really good in that small role. And then Super Troopers, Linda Carter is in it for one scene. Yeah. And we already met. Mary. She she has a funny joke. Oh, I mean, Brian Cox, Brian Cox is, is amazing. So He's just very good. Funny uh, background story. You know the scene where he eats the soap. Yeah. Uh, apparently. He almost that almost like was sent to the hospital because he's uh he's diabetic I think yeah and the soap was made out of like oh, it was like a sugar soap right it was like white chocolate and sugar and <laughs> oh white chocolate is like very sugary and like he was like about to eat it like as they were filming he and he suddenly went wait there's not this is not sugar right and they're like oh it is and he was like oh oh like no I can't eat it. <laughs> oh I think they ended up maybe using like actual soap or something it's just yeah. like some crazy thing that's really funny Brian Cox fucking rules he's the best uh actor corner on uh oh Scott Glenn great as the criminal we talked about right yeah yeah um. And honestly, that's kind of probably about it. Yeah, I do want to mention uh, Scott Glenn. In they mention lives in Echo Park. Yeah, well, a lot of this. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. on the east side, which is a very so nice neighborhood. That, right that's now. actually a note I have that I I kind of noticed that they're in Silver Lake or Echo Park. I was yeah. like, if this movie was set now, it would just be them dealing with hipsters the entire time, right? Yeah, like Lonzo yelling at hipsters in the middle of the street. Yeah, Echo Park has been incredibly gentrified at this point. It's like very Brooklyny right now. Yeah, although I guess in that that no, guy lives retired. in a nice house. He's, he's retired. retired. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so he's, he's not. I rescind my note. They're not necessarily coding that part as being in like the hood, but uh, it is still kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of actor corner, uh, let's talk a little about Broken Lizard because oh like yeah, and I think that might be fun. I mean, the, the what little I know about, they were a comedy group at Colgate. They all know each other from college, and they yeah. stuck together. They yeah, have a think, show out now to come on FDE. Uh, yeah, it's been. It's not like it's fifth season or something. Yeah. So I want, So apparently, this was a Sundance movie. Really? Uh, Super Troopers was. And I was, don't like, understand up. how film festivals work. So it was. So I mean, well, this was like this is an independent movie. They raised yeah. the funding independently. They filmed it. We went to Sundance, got picked up, made makes it, and that kind of like launched them mm-hmm. more. I think they had another movie they did that was also at Sundance a few years earlier that didn't make the waves. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Like it really felt like. I mean, this is such a big movie. It was such a cult hit. 
But like none of yeah. the, and these guys only kind of ever did either these their own movies or like kind of small parts in TV. Well, I think Jay Chandrasekhar is a very successful TV director. Correct. Yeah. Because I we've both worked on shows where he's directed episodes. Yeah. Also, like like we said earlier, very nice man. Yeah, he was a very nice guy. Yeah. From I never interact with him a ton, but he seemed like a great guy. Yeah. Super talented, super down to earth, cool. Yeah. Dude. Good TV director. Yeah. A good and good movie, movie director. director. This movie is yeah, well directed. <laughs> He's a good director. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. My theory is that basically, I'm setting myself up to make a point, which is I think they kind of got kneecapped by the fact that their whole bit is they constantly change their like archetypes movie to movie. Oh, like, that. Like, yeah, Farva they don't have not consistent a, characters. Right. Farva is not a Farva type, a Kevin Heffernan, in, in movie to movie. That did confuse me a lot in Beer Fest that he has a very different character from Farva. Right. He's just sort of like a very nice, lovable like Texan in, yeah. in Beer Fest. And like the wild guy in this movie is like the nerd in Beer Fest. And obviously, like, I haven't seen Club Dread in forever, but I recall Club that all Club is very, very different. funny. Yeah. yeah. Slam and Salmon. Like, those are the movies I've seen. But yeah. it, I think they kind of got, like, if they kind of stuck with their types, then one of them might have popped. But I think that you never. You know, because like Jack Black is Jack Black, and yeah, everyone will feel that's true. Film. Although you know, I kind of appreciate that they're they're very I don't know they're able to do different characters. Like yeah. they're not just doing the same thing over and over. So actually, Makes I appreciate that dedication to the craft. Yeah, and I mean, I think working. I love I love Beer Fest. I don't know beer how Fest is great. ever. Well, I mean, <laughs> movies do, about Beer we, Fest versus uh, Smash Las Vegas. Another movie about alcoholism. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one Nicolas Cage won an Oscar for. Got it. Um, yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be, it would be beer fest versus another movie about drinking, which actually might be interesting to talk about drinking. Yeah. Or if there's another movie about making beer, there's like, um, oh, there's, um, oh, oh, drinking buddies. Yeah. Is drinking buddies highbrow? It's, it's like a fancy mumblecore movie. I think drinking buddies versus beer fest might work. Yeah. All right. We'll yeah. discuss later. We'll discuss later. Um, fuck. What were we talking about? Just beer fest. It's great. Good yeah. movie. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, Slam and Salmon. Not Slam and Salmon is probably my least favorite broken lizard movie, but it's not bad by any means. Yeah. It's very fun. I mean, yeah, Club Dread is, I think Club Dread is kind of the sleeper in all of them. You never hear about that movie. Beer Fest is maybe even in some ways more of a cult hit than, than Super Troopers. Than Super Troopers. I don't know, because I feel like Super Troopers was just it went, enormous. It went mainstream, yeah. Super Troopers was enormous for us specifically, people our age when we were in middle school and high school. Right. And then I think Beer Fest is the one that kind of carried over people who were college. still fans in the college. And I think people talk about it, at least our friends had talked about it a little more, just because Super Troopers had like the crest of the big popularity and now is kind of not as much yeah whereas beer fest like if you came to beer fest and you found it you're still holding on to it yeah you know it was never thrown at you yeah um while we're talking broken loser let's do the highbrow lowbrow of i'll talk about david ayer and antoine fuqua because i think sure. they're interesting people yeah. um david ayer obviously screenplay wrote the screenplay it's very good and his, this is kind of all he writes movies about mostly I mean, he did. Did he also do End of Watch? Yes, that was he yeah. directed that. Right. Um, right now, he directs his own movies, obviously Suicide Squad. End of Watch is pretty similar in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, it's all it's basically Training Day, except they're both good cops. Yeah. Right, and that actually funny. <laughs> what if instead of good cop, bad cop, we had good cop, yeah. good, good cop? Uh, and Anton Fuqua, uh, apparently music video director. Uh, that kind of makes sense based on the direction of this movie. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, it kind of an interesting career, given the how how just how good Training Day is and. I think he's had other good movies since, but I think he hasn't had like an out and out like classic since yeah. then. I feel like music video directors becoming like movie directors was such a nineties two thousands thing, right? That we don't see as much anymore. Or if we do, we just don't notice it because their music video guess, directors are not as big anymore. Music videos aren't as big, right? Anymore. You kind of just have to do them so that you can have gifts of them go viral. It's not like people are watching music videos. And I still much. enjoy the art of the music video, but yeah, it's definitely less of a thing. Yeah. 
don't know. I guess interesting, dude. I, it's funny, not like an out and out hybrid has done more lowbrow than highbrow. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Fucking hit out of the park this time. Shit. Um, Love it. Should we play a game? Yeah. Any last any last wrap up thoughts just on cops and hybrid? I think we we I mean, we got really into it on Farva of all things. I mean, Farva Farva is, is a you know <laughs> a deceptively complex character who deserves his day. I mean, I think yeah. The bottom line is these movies are. I think it's Super Troopers is deceptively interesting about yeah. why there are bad cops, whereas I think Training Day is more like intense and emotional and more about more very specific, really bad cops. Yeah, I will say I think Super Troopers is it's well written in multiple levels. Like it has a very functional plot that it has a functional. Fun- no, no, but like some comedies don't have a functional That's plot. True. Like I'm yeah. saying, it has a plot that actually were it like is seated in Act One. Mm-hmm. It develops in Act Two and it pays off in Act Three, and it's kind of going on as an undertone. It's an undertone through Act One that actually like is there if you're paying attention, mm-hmm. and it pays off. And a lot of the solves are character motivated, which is all very strong writing. Yeah. And then also it has very strong joke writing. Yes. They're just very well-written jokes. that are jokes nested in jokes. And some of the jokes are based in characters. Some of the jokes are just funny on their own. And it's all great. Yeah. I mean, I think I am less enamored of the plot of Super Troopers. I mean, I think it's better than it needs to be. I'm, le- I'm less as uh, intrigued by it than you are. But it, 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 you're right. It's there. It, it's set up, payoff. It, it has the twist. It's, it's, I think it's just the roundest wheel. It's, it, it's, the, I will say, it's not the kind of thing where I, in my mind I thought, well, they really didn't need a plot, so why did they? You know, they didn't even bother. But they they did. They bothered. Yeah. And, uh, you know, movie's better for it. But like, yeah. it is very much the lowbrow joke machine of it. I think is more kind of what it is. Whereas obviously, Training Day is like super plot. Well, well, the thing is, the train. I think the training, the plot of Training Day is a little woolier than the plot of Super Troopers. I think there's parts of it where it like is kind of tenuously holding on to making sense. It's funny because I think the plot of Training Day is not as complex. It's like kind of straightforward. It's just like. He needs to get this money, so he's fucking with this cop, and then like he can't get the money. It's just that so much of it is but this like power play between the two of them that takes up a lot of time. I think the thing that makes it a little woolier is that why is Ethan Hawke involved in this? Right, like they, they have to kind of make some weird steps to get Ethan Hawke in the game because really it makes sense for Alonzo to somehow get Ethan Hawke to not be there today. Of all days, he doesn't like. Well, he wants him there because they. Well, he even referenced he's been setting it up all week that he wants him in that, like... I'm trying to remember... But thing is, I don't think they explain why he wants Ethan Hawke to be even alive. It doesn't... He doesn't need him as a fall guy. He's not going to use him as a fall guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I guess I understand that he needs a new guy to join his squad, mm-hmm. but not that day. That's true. I guess the, you're right. That could that could be a plot hole. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think it through because also, like, I'm old. I forget plots easily. But to me, it was basically that like he needed a fall guy that day. And he just like recruits people. But how is he using him as a fall guy? Because he doesn't want. Well, there's the scene where he has them go into. Uh, uh, it's where they're. I think it's where they're messing with Scott Glenn, and then they're like, it's the thing of like, oh, they're going at who shot him. Oh, is this rookie shot him? And then Ethan Hawke. I think that's the scene. But there's definitely a scene where Ethan Hawke says like, you've been planning. Oh yeah, and he's like drugged him earlier, and Ethan Hawke says, "You've been playing this all day," and he says, "I've been playing this all week." Yeah, but why do that? Why not have one of his guys be the one who shot him? I don't know, just to keep the pressure off of them or someone else. I suppose because yeah, so, maybe if it doesn't take, then they're still safe. Yeah, it's just it seems unnecessarily dangerous, and this is also being very pedantic. I don't think this is like a major right. problem in the movie. I think it is a it's a hurdle they had to get over to figure out how to get make it make sense to have Ethan Hawke yeah. involved in all of this. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's basically. For 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 plot holes, movies for me, it's like if I think the movie has an answer to it, I don't. I'm not bothered by the fact that the movie hasn't answered it. And like, 
I that lets me let movies off the hook sometimes. Yeah. Just because like if a movie is confidently told, to be like, yeah, sure, fine. But that sometimes there's like you know, like Ethan Hawke giving those two people his gun. He's he should not have given Man, away his gun to the criminals. Who the were dumbest trying to thing you could ever do. I even I know how to do that. Not to do that. If I had a gun, I wouldn't give it to random criminals who were just you because they were to anybody. Poorly. Their gun safety is horrible in both of these <laughs> movies. They're pointing guns at each other all the time. <laughs> But, uh, at one point, Denzel is talking to a guy, and he's pointing the guns at both the guy and himself. And I'm like, this movie could just end right now if he accidentally shoots himself in the chest. Uh, okay, let's play again. Let's do it. So the game is, it's a it's a letterbox based. I don't think we're calling it the letterbox game, but we'll come up with a name for it. It'll be very fun. Uh, one of us finds a list on letterbox and tries to get the other one to name uh, as many as those movies on the list as they can. And we're gonna two minutes. Two minutes on the clock. Okay, so I, I did what you did. I just typed Training Day into uh, into Letterboxd. It's funny. Be, okay, can I try to guess what list it's going to be? Sure. Is it going to be movies that take place in one day? No, that was an option. Okay. Um, the movie, I don't think we've done this list before, but the movie, the list is, they said the title of the film. Nice. Point, I like that one. Point. That was one I looked at. Uh, okay, so uh, two minutes on the clock, pulling it up. Okay, this, I'm going to skip this one. It's the first one because you're not going to get it. The first one is uh, Mission Impossible 2. Okay. But I don't think you're ever going to get that because they don't say Mission Impossible 2 in the movie, obviously. I don't know why. Oh, what's the subtitle for Mission Impossible 2? It's just Mission Impossible 2. Oh, they don't. Oh, they probably just say Mission Impossible. Something. Right. Or maybe they, I haven't seen Mission Impossible 2 in forever. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to get that one out of the way. Yeah. Uh, but it was a funny thing. Okay. okay. Ready. Two minutes on the clock. Ready. Set. Uh, classic screwball comedy. Uh, Playing trans automobiles, uh, uh, black and white, and they're they're men dressed as ladies. Oh 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 no oh no oh no! It's got Jack Lemmon. Yep it's, yep yep it's, yep. It's some like it hot. Yeah, some like it hot. Uh, you got uh, it is a superhero movie that is good. Uh, it is very good, possibly the best of the superhero Dark movies. Yep. Um, it is a comedy uh, in the nineties. Um, I, I very very quotable. Uh, something we've done before. Uh, made by a pair of filmmakers who are. Oh, it's the Coen uh, Brothers. Yep. It is Far- Fargo. No, the no. one they did after that. Comedy, uh, comedy, comedy. One of their funny ones. Oh, oh, oh no! Oh God damn it! Uh, there's a very oh, brother art thou. No, there's a very specific sport they're all doing. It's set in California. Uh, uh, very specific sport. It's very. It's come on, man! It's their funniest movie. Oh no. Oh no. A lot of character actors. We're losing time, man. Skip it. Skip it. We're skipping it. Uh okay, this one. Um very iconic soundtrack. It's about a drive. Yep. It's drive. <laughs> it's drive. <Nice. laughs> uh arguably one of the best movies of all time. Um it's about Citizen cr- criminals. It came out in the 70s. Um a lot of Italians in this the movie. The Godfather? Yes. Um, move this movie directed by David Ayer. Um, oh, it's the Big Lebowski was the other one. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, directed by David Ayer. Uh, they're they're villains, but they're but they're like doing good, but they're bad guys. But they're doing good this time. Oh, Suicide Squad. Yes. Um, this one is another superhero movie. Um, it's th- a group of them, of the of the superheroes. The Wild Bunch. Oh, oh, oh Avengers. Yes, it's the Avengers. <laughs> There's man a lot of fucking superheroes on this. A uh, superhero movie um, that it's like a revision to superhero movie. It's like really violent. It's like kind of making fun of superheroes a little bit. Oh, Watchmen. Uh, but like funny. What's well, like a like not not Watchmen, but oh, like, the new one. Okay. Uh, uh, wait, no, it's Suicide Squad. Uh. Uh, it was Kick Ass. Uh, I didn't yeah. know how. Else. Okay. Okay. Seven. It really threw me off to describe bowling as a sport. <laughs> 
That was why I didn't get that. I was like, what the hell Coen Brothers movie is about a sport? I was like, did they do one about baseball or something? It's funny because we, we've done Big Lebowski on a list before. I think the same thing threw you off. No, it was like a different... No, I was doing it to you and it was the same thing. You were having trouble getting it. And yeah. Oh, it was, the, it was on the list of drug trips. Right. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he doesn't really have a drug trip in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I gotta say... This that movie, movie defies, defies definition. It's very hard to describe without just saying what it is. Yeah. It's just had a lot of stuff. Also, really funny that Drive is on this list. I know. <laughs> I, I, I immediately thought of Drive, and I was like, well, I don't know what scene they say Drive. And I was like, no, he must say Drive at some point in the movie. Right. And it's not like they like make a meal out of it. It's, no. like, it's time to drive. drive. No, it's just they mention it because it's a thing you do. They probably mention I think he says I drive or something like that. They probably say drive in Super Troopers and Training Day in every movie that there is a car. Do they say Super Troopers and Super Troopers? I do not believe they do. I don't think they do. They definitely say Training Day. And honestly, I didn't even, this list is like 700 things long and I I do not see Training Day on it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I know. All right. Fun things on there. I mean, Sweeney Todd, Minority Report. Shit. Hot Tub Time Machine obviously is like the other end of that spectrum. Uh, um, we should do hot. Oh, Hot Tub Time Machine would have been a good time travel one. <laughs> Lincoln, dumb. Uh, okay, let's get to do some recs and uh, get, get out right. of here. My rec this week is a movie called Day for Night. It's a Truffaut movie, 60s French New Wave. It's about a film crew trying to make a movie. It doesn't really have much of a plot because making a movie is hard, and that's enough to have a movie about it. It's really good. It's in French, so that might be a barrier for some people. And interestingly, the title in French is American Night, which is the French term for Day for Night. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, day for Night being like uh, when you film... Uh, uh, you film a night scene during the day, right? Yeah, and you just darken the sky. Right, day for yeah. night. It's like you're, yeah, you're filming day as if it's night, like dry for wet. Yeah, we film dry things as if they're wet. Yes. <laughs> my uh, my rec also a movie is one I saw a little while ago, but uh, Oscar nominations come out tomorrow morning, and I'm a little sad this one is not going to end up anywhere just based on the predictions. But the French Dispatch. Oh, uh, I still need to see that. I love Wes Anderson. Wes, I think it's uh, it might be my favorite of his movies. Wow. I know that's super high praise. I but I really really was blown away by this one when I saw it. And I had kind of medium expectations. I just kind of wanted to see a movie that night, and it was playing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, uh, like, really tremendous. It's The basic concept is there's a, a New Yorker-esque magazine reporting out of France. Oh, um, The French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Sun. Liberty, Kansas being, like... Anyway, <laughs> and it's just like an, and it, it's like an anthology movie, but it's done as the articles in that magazine oh, by the writers. And it's, it's kind of about writing. It's kind of about... Like telling stories and the stories you tell to each other for different reasons, and it's kind of about a lot of different things. And it's just a really, I'm I'm often very medium on anthology films, but I think this one really. I think they're tough. This one has a very good framing device, and it ended up really, really hitting me hard by the end of it. So, uh, Wes Anderson is a genius and a god, and ever I know everyone's like, I feel like we're, people are kind of over him because like, oh, he only does this one thing, but like, god damn it, well, he, he does, does that one so thing, well. and that one thing is hard as fuck. To it's because he <laughs> has themes and visual motifs that he cares about and has been developing over the course of a career. That's not just doing the same thing over and over. That's developing as an artist, right? It's like I don't know, like people get bad at like the sports people, like all he does is shoot baskets. Like, yeah, and it's really fucking hard, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't shoot baskets, but like Wes Anderson, I think somehow is underrated despite being like one of the great filmmakers. So yeah, uh, rant over. Watch the French Dispatch. It's probably on all the streamings by now because it just it didn't make much of an impression unfortunately but uh, uh deserves to yeah and also please rate review and subscribe our podcast yeah we're on all major podcast platforms which you know because you're listening to it i don't know why i would say that we're also right. on instagram and we're on facebook yep. if you want to check us out it's hblb podcast on both yeah and uh cooper's really been killing it with some some very funny little snippets and then photoshops and stuff and i have been i, I sometimes pick the clips yeah and that's how i help yeah, it's great. You know, we, we 
Fucking got you, bitch. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get out of here. But rate, review, subscribe, follow us on the instances, and uh, goodbye. Goodbye forever. forever. <laughs> I flustered you. That was very funny. <laughs> I, I wanted to say something nice, but I was trying not to sound condescending. <laughs>